I knew I had to learn everything. And I was like a sponge. Like I, I just couldn't absorb enough knowledge. And I started asking everyone, like my boss, you know, who I think had been in the business at least 20 years at that point. You know, I'm like, tell me everything, teach me. I knew I was pretty well-rounded, but I wasn't an expert in anything. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 191, you ask, we deliver. That's right. We have our very first interview with a real live action-packed stunt person. Tammy Baird shares how she stumbled, forgive the pun, into this line of work and what it takes both physically and professionally to stay in the game. It's all coming up in episode 191, so stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices, there's an awesome app for that. It's called Rehearsal 2, and you can download it right now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download. Trevor, you can't be sick. Uh, You're not allowed to get sick. Even the beast gets sick. Even the beast gets sick. <laughs> oh man! Seriously, it's always—it always blows my mind when someone who like takes care of themselves. Did we talk about? Did I make fun of you in the last episode about how like an alarm went off and then you ate? Yeah, yeah you did. You yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody who takes that good care of themselves. Like, I always, I'm like, what? I guess we're all susceptible, right? It's part of the human experience. Yeah, you know what does it to me every time, too, is when there's like a plethora of food at the Thrival job, but the food is like in a bag, and I eat from the bag. Because my guess is that people like, you know, get their grody hands and like scoop into the bag and take the food. And I usually don't do that. I pour it out into my hand because I'm sanitary like that. But um, my guess is that that's what happens. Because every time I get sick, I can like trace it back to like having recently eaten from a shared bag of stuff in like a public place. So you're you're eating germs is what you're saying. I'm eating germs. Gross. Don't eat the germs. I think this might be one of the nastiest conversations we've ever had on the podcast. I know. We could go so much further with it, too. No, let's not. My nasal cavity is like a stopped-up sink. It's great. Oh, you went there anyway. I went. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, your friggin' digital actor workshop was amazing. 
Oh, thanks, buddy. It was amazing. I was so, I mean, you know, I knew I was going to learn stuff, but I was so surprised at, at how thorough it was. And, and it was exactly what you said. You know, you said you, you, it's not about like showing people systems. It's about giving them ideas and letting them kind of create their own systems, but also sort of showing what you do and highly customizable content. You went a lot of places that I, I didn't even think of, um, you know, in terms of like, tracking mileage and and going you know with the address book and this and that. It, was, it was awesome dude so i just want to give you a huge freaking podcast kudos Aww. for an amazing workshop thanks brother thank you yeah, yeah i mean i like i said i was a bit nervous and maybe intimidated by the fact that i was you know doing it in public for the first time because you're doing it at university level like it's a it's a controlled environment you know what those those humans have have been through thus those far humans um for the most part you know and i had a great time and i just wanted to uh, you know take a moment to thank the people who who made it out and 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 just give them a shout out and thank you for the support both from members and from non-members general public uh so on and so forth it was it, it was a success in my mind as well and um and also big uh, big huge shout out to um david h lawrence the 17th who uh, not only came but was um an amazing resource in terms of just adding little tidbits here and there uh, with resources that he was aware of and and also being uh, generous uh, and and giving out a couple copies of rehearsal. So here's a question for you: Do you have any plans, or is there a possibility that you could present your digital actor workshop to actors in New York? Y- yes, uh, there are two things I-, I would say about that. The first is that I am definitely um, building relationships or or creating contact with some of the major universities here. In New York, uh, the one that I have the biggest sort of foothold in right now is Juilliard. The guy who hired Ben and myself uh, to teach the third year grad students at UCLA has uh, he and his uh, partner have a relationship with the people at Juilliard. So she was sort of giving us giving me names of people that I could reach out to there. Uh, The second thing that I will say about that is that whether I do it at the university level or in public, as you were suggesting it, um, I do want to make some slight adjustments, at least in the way that I talk about the industry, because it is a different market here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so actually Jasmine had a brilliant idea for us to sit down with someone like Matt Bailey a uh, longtime patron and now member of the of the podcast, because you know he shared, for instance, that he had you know four hundred auditions before booking his most recent you know first ever Broadway gig. Yeah, and so that's somebody, and he's also done you know a lot uh, some film and television out here, and so that's somebody who may know the the landscape, and the landscape, like I said, is a bit different. So a lot of what I've created while it is while it could be applicable in both places was originally created um specifically for the for the la market uh-huh so like you just you just mentioned mileage for instance right well i wouldn't necessarily talk about using ca- the calendar to track your mileage in the same way because people don't really drive here but i would uh, potentially talk about it in in terms of keeping track of auditions the way that Matt uses um, Evernote, for instance. Yeah. yeah. So you know, there's uh, there's just some 
some some differences in the landscape here, and I would want to make sure that I sort of customized it to the landscape. That's all. Right on. Yeah. That's really exciting, man. I, I can't wait to hear how that shakes out. And you've got a meeting coming up? Is this a, a teaser I, of some kind? I have I have two meetings coming up. One is a callback uh, for another meeting I had last oh, the week before I left for, for L.A., which is awesome. And then the other one is actually a, an audition for – I don't know that I want to talk about it too much. I will give a little hint. So uh, NBC – has lately been doing these um, live musicals. They did um, Sound of Music one year, and then they did uh, Peter Pan the next year. People were kind of – it was sort of a social media blitz when this happened. Like, oh. everybody was posting about it. Okay, um, hold on. Let me, let me stop you for a second. NBC, the, the network, has been staging live musicals in, yeah, you, in New York? Uh, I don't know where what theater they're using, actually. Um, but yeah, they're staging live musicals and then filming them. So like, uh, Carrie Underwood, um, was the lead in, in sound of music. It was like a big, and then, um, Allison Williams played Peter Pan and, um, Christopher Walken was Captain Hook. Amazing. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. They were, I mean, you know, some people loved them. Some people hated them. Uh, you know, a lot of people just thought that they were really terrible, but anyway, there's another network that wants to get in on this. <laughs> and you're somehow involved. Uh, well, I have a meeting. You got a meeting. Okay, awesome. And for, for listeners who might be new to the, the podcast, we're using the word meeting in lieu of the word audition because we think that audition, the word audition kind of creates a, the context of, of um, approval and, um, I don't know, a bunch of other things that, that sort of take away an actor's power in the room. And we like to use the word meeting because it implies that you're, um, you know, meeting to see if uh, there's a creative collaboration that can take place. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's really, really exciting, man. I had no idea that the, <clears throat> excuse me, that the networks were getting involved in musicals, live musicals. That's really, really cool. Yeah, it's 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 new, but it also like I don't know. There's a lot of people out there who appreciate musicals, and and it's I don't know. It's been <laughs> it's been a bit of a double-edged sword for them. Okay. Um, <clears throat> because you know they they wanted to do this thing and have it be amazing and cast stars and then they weren't that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. I, I just I just love that they're supporting live theater. I mean, everybody always is kind of decrying the death of live theater, but if you have people like NBC Universal putting their weight behind live entertainment like that. You know, that's a good sign. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's yeah. great, man. I would agree with that. Kick ass. Well, I, I don't have any um, real news this week. I'm just ill. You're just in recovery mode. <laughs> I'm in recovery mode, man. I am. Rest in recovery mode. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm always working on little things behind the scenes, but nothing to, to announce just now. We have a, a great question, or not even a question. It's more of like a, a, a longtime listener who's very knowledgeable and very active in the theater world, weighing in with his two cents on the Equity 99 seat thing. And he brings up some good points. So um, I definitely want to devote a little bit of time on this episode just to, to hearing your thoughts on that specifically, AJ. But before we do that, um, we do want to hear from another one of our kick-ass sponsors. Yes, this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by VO2Gogo.com. 
the award-winning voiceover training system, and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit vo2gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo, the number two, gogo.com slash start. All right. So George Savage, and I'm going to use his first and last name because he's a, um, a member of the podcast, longtime member, longtime listener, um, has always, is do up to amazing things. He's actually in a play, I believe, right now that um, I hear is just fantastic. And yeah, he's, the uh, Electric Lodge down yeah. in Venice, I think. And he's like, he's, I think he's actually had a role in producing it as well. Um, I don't have the details for it in front of me, but um, I, I wanted to just kind of qualify why I'm using first and last names because sometimes, you know, I think it's not fair to call out people by last name, especially if they're writing in with a sensitive um, subject. But George uh, writes in and he says uh, two thoughts on the 99-seat theater thing. Um, He thinks they're not going to die because of the, you know, this is in terms of this equity thing. And for listeners who may not be familiar, equity, well, maybe you'd be better to explain it, AJ, because you know the ins and outs of it a little better than I do. Yeah, so uh, basically... Uh, Actors' Equity Association recently made some changes to the 99-seat plan that has stood uh, for 30-plus uh, years in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, a lot of people are sort of decrying the death of its intimate theater in Los Angeles. And I've never been one of those people because I'm, I'm just not that dramatic. I just think that um, – well, I mean, I have said that it will definitely hurt the 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 LA theater scene and that there may be a lot of theaters that shut down, but there's no such thing as like killing storytelling altogether. So um, George says, you know, uh, that that he doesn't think it's going to die or or um, be hurt much at all. I don't think it will die, but I disagree that it will be hurt much at all. Um, and the what he points to is that a prominent artistic director told him that. Um, all L.A. small theater shows are cast with fewer than 3% of equity actors. And there's plenty of talented uh, wannabe film actors to volunteer for non-paid roles in small theater. Then, if equity wants to make a difference for their membership, they should go ahead with the even stronger wage requirements, which is what the referendum was. Um, they wanted to make sure that all of their members got paid at least equity um, uh, minimum wage for any show that they did. And then help support, fund, and help larger theaters become successful and profitable because they use proven, talented equity actors. Equity should make their brand mean something, stand for something, and th- and th- stand for something that the theater goer can see and measure for him or herself. And yeah, I think that there are some really good points here. I I don't know the I don't know that that number is accurate, the three percent um, thing. But I I will say that. Equity has not shown me, at least, that they have a plan to support the larger houses in the being more profitable and growing and and, ca- and therefore casting more equity actors. I, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that the plan that they are putting into place is actually going to grow the opportunities the way that we would hope, um, because I'm actually. I'm actually with George on this. Like I, I agree with him in that, you know, having more paid union gigs is, is, is always a good thing, but I just don't think that the, uh, the landscape is there at least not yet. And so that's why not having some kind of tiered system and coming in with this one size fits all thing didn't 
really didn't make any sense. Now, they did make some changes after the referendum vote. They did make some changes when they put into place what, what is actually going to be the edict moving forward. But it wasn't a lot. And it, and it, and it certainly wasn't, um, once again, in terms of listening to their, their, their membership. George goes on to say, you know, <clears throat> it's also been my impression that equity actors um, don't often mess with small theater shows unless they know the playwright or the AD. I'm assuming he means artistic director. Most equity actors don't even want to even audition for a small theater play for fear of being paired up with amateur community theater actors, community theater in quotes, who will likely and ultimately make them look bad. And like the old days in the 70s, if equity actors just have to be in a non-equity show, they should use false names. Uh, now, regarding the equity brand, that's an entirely more complex situation, but I think a worthwhile one. Equity wants more members. They should convince actors why membership is good for them, and they should convince the public that equity actors are more likely to discover a polished professional show, one worth their time and money. Well, that was the issue that we talked about in the Rock the Vote episode, was was that you know you did have people in the 70s, for instance, using false names so that they could do non-equity work. Uh, to me, I, I just feel like, and, and and I think it was Rebecca that talked about this in the Rock the Vote episode, I just feel like that ends up hurting the union in the long run because not only do you have people, you know, falsifying their name so that they can, you know, work outside of the, the, the union purview, but then you also have uh, other non-union actors who don't really see a benefit to joining in, in fact, from their perspective, because these people are, you know, hiding the fact that they're doing non-union work, they may see, they may see it and, and go, well, why would I want to join if, you know, someone who is union is doing a show under a false name just so they can do non-union work? It just doesn't I, – I don't think it helps helps equity at all. I was just going to say, as a non-equity actor, I'm not, I, I'm not racing to join equity. Number one, because there's not – there's just not a ton of equity work out here. <clears throat> I mean, there's, you know, there's work to get me wrong, but not enough to make me want to kind of join the union, which would, um, then, then sort of, um, kind of cut me off from doing some really, really great 99 seat theater work, which is prolific. It's, it's all over the place. And, you know, I would hate to be barred from doing something at the fringe festival or, or be a part of the, you know, um, Los Angeles theater ensemble productions or, or any other, you know, open fist rogue, you know, any of those great companies. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as, you know, he said, most equity actors don't, uh, even want to audition for small theater play for fear of being paired up with amateur actors. Like uh, that I, hasn't I been know. my experience. That hasn't been my experience either. And that, and that actually leads me to, um, uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to add here, which is that I did finally, finally have an opportunity to talk to somebody who did vote yes and, and was willing to actually talk to me, um, it turns out it's somebody that I knew, so that was good because you know we are, we had a pre-existing relationship. So I was finally able to be like, okay, so don't get angry. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> um, and uh, and it was great because we were both we both were passionate about it. But the thing um, that I found interesting was that we were we both wanted the same things, but we're just coming at it from a different angle. When you said Trevor, that hasn't been my experience, and I say it too, like that hasn't been my experience. This person apparently has witnessed. Um, because uh, they have worked at so many different uh, theaters in, in intimate theaters in Los Angeles, they have witnessed that the, the fact that the designers and the directors and maybe even the player—I can't remember the, the the 
roles that they listed off, but that these people um, were in fact getting paid. Sometimes going from show to show and getting paid enough to actually make a living wage. Hmm. Um, and that the actors weren't and that they witnessed like actors not being treated very well because the theaters weren't adhering to the rules um, set forth by equity. And I was just like, man, that just wasn't my experience, because even when we were doing non-union theater with the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble, we spent the majority of our uh, of our pr- productions um, finding a stage manager who either was union or who was um, uh, uh, familiar with the union rules. And then they would run the rehearsals like we were in a union show. So taking breaks at the yeah, proper, yeah. proper times and, and everything. And on top of that, I know for a fact that our designers and our stage manager and whatever were given um, a stipend mostly to pay for the, like they, they, the designer, for instance, it was part of their budget. Like they were paying for, you know, what they were actually building for the set and for the stage manager. It wasn't that much more than what the actors were getting, you know, maybe just enough to 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 feed themselves and and pay for gas. So it was very similar. Like everybody's sort of in on it um, in a very similar way. And that was the thing that the sort of pro 99 folks were saying is that what equity doesn't realize is a lot of these evil, quote unquote, evil producers that they're talking about are actually actors themselves. Yeah. Getting to the getting to the thing where I said, you know, we were both sort of on the same page. <clears throat> everybody who was not everybody, I shouldn't say everybody. I should say that this person that I had a conversation with who had a level head and people like them were, were saying that the, the people on the yes side were interested in making sure that actors got paid more and were treated better. I don't think anyone on the pro 99 side is against that you know the 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 language was you know change just not this change i think that i think that everybody thinks that actors should be paid more than they are on the whole in especially in this country where arts funding is so dismal we're just coming at it from a different perspective so what this person was saying this their position was to essentially blow up the status quo in Los Angeles so that they could go back to the drawing board so that equity and the theaters could go back to the drawing board and make it better. I, I think that anyone with a level head coming from that perspective seems to be, like I said, we all seem to be on the same page, just looking at it from different perspectives. And I just think that like, I don't agree with their way of going about it and they certainly don't agree with the pro 99 way of going about it ultimately it almost doesn't matter because equity just went and did whatever they did um even after the vote so um i think that this is going to be something that goes on for quite some time we're going to see this um affecting los angeles theater theater in general the unions in general for quite some time and it will be um, it'll be fascinating. It's an interesting time in 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 our theater history, I think. And they're phasing this this plan into place. I, I believe I saw like it's going to be over an eighteen month sort of process as they as they kind of put these these kind of measurements in place and these um, new uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but these new sort of provisions in place. Mm-hmm. So at least there's that. I do. I mean, I like I said, I do appreciate um, George uh, weighing in here. I think that what he says is actually, you know, pretty accurate. 
everybody who's in this fight is coming at it with the same goal, the same eventual goal, which is to just get actors better pay. I think that there are just different ways of of looking at it and going about it, and and um, I really appreciate you know the points that that he made that he makes yeah. um, in his email to us. Awesome. Well, the conversation continues. It's gonna. It's gonna. The conversation is gonna go on for a long time. Yeah. It's just gonna be sort of painful and heated and passionate and potentially move into sort of legal battles before before we're done. Kind of like uh, your standard American marriage. Uh, wow, that is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's move on to the next segment of the episode, which would be uh, your your and Jasmine's chat with stunt person actress Tammy Baird. Yeah. 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 So uh, Jasmine was uh, the one who sourced this interview for us. So she jumped on, and um, it's 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 just a it's a fun time because it you know uh, you'll you'll you can tell based on you know, our questions and our reactions to things that we just had no concept of what this world was like. Um, so, I don't know, enjoy us being like wide-eyed and bushy-tailed in this interview. Hey guys, welcome to a very special interview for Inside Acting. We have a lot of firsts in this one. You know, we've gotten a lot of requests from our listeners to bring on stunt people. We have had this request multiple times over the past couple of years, and we're very excited to announce that we have our very first stunt person on the show, uh, stunt woman and actress Tammy Baird. Thank you for joining us, Tammy. So appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And uh, also another first on this episode, since she was so gracious in sourcing this interview for us and was the first person to make contact with uh, Tammy and also was just interested in being uh, asking questions of Tammy and being involved in the interview as well, we have our correspondent. <laughs> you have so many titles as far as the podcast goes. Uh, Jasmine Bristow is joining me uh, as well. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> That's not her actual accent. I don't know what that was all about. So, um, so Tammy, Tammy sports. If if you check out uh, Tammy's website or her IMDb page, she sports a rather impressive <laughs> resume um, that spans uh, years of some of the biggest blockbuster, not only films. But also television shows such as, you know, Dexter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Sons of Anarchy. I mean, these are like, you know, premier, premier shows and really, really excited to have you on, Tammy. And, and I was serious earlier. We have had people ask us to bring stunt people or a stunt person onto the show so we could ask them about the ins and outs of that particular world. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm, I'm just so excited to to do that. So. With most of our guests, we like to start sort of at the beginning, which is how the heck did you get into this crazy world, either the industry, acting, 
stunt being a stunt woman, you know, or wherever you think all is, of is all of the above, whatever you think is the best place to, to start. Um, okay. Well, I always knew that I wanted to work in the industry. I was, I thought I wanted to be an actor, like my whole life. I wanted to be a model, an actress or a Dallas cowboy cheerleader. And so, <laughs> so, so I knew I was going to be in this industry and I, I thought I was going to be this amazing, glamorous actress. And I moved to Los Angeles to do just that. And it was hard. It's just like everyone says, it's so hard. And I got to the point where, you know, I was talking to one of my good friends who's a stunt coordinator, and I was telling him, you know, I might have to move home. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. Maybe I was wrong. And he said, well, wait a minute, hold off on that. You know, I have a film I'm coordinating, and I'm going to need an assistant. Not a stunt assistant, his, a personal assistant. So um, I was like, yes, I'll take it. I'll take the job. And that was on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So uh, we're on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and a small little acting stunt part came up. He called in a few stunt people to audition for it, and he told me, he's like, why don't you go in and audition? So I did, and I got it, and it was a small little tiny acting part, um, very hard, very hard. I had to, My character had to flirt with Brad Pitt's character. Oh, I, that I know, sounds like a shame. Uh, so horrible. And then Angelina Jolie's character sees that I'm flirting with her husband and shoots and kills me. And then Brad Pitt's character has to kill my partner. Um, so it was during that scene when I'm shot that um, I have squibs, which are bullet holes on my body. And when the squibs went off, it was like, I call it my Tennessee Williams cat on a hot tin roof moment. It was like, I heard that click and I knew like, this is where you're supposed to be. Wow. So, um, and it was, it was all in just that moment. Um, huh. And afterwards, you know, I told my boss, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. I, I want to do stunts. And he's like, no, Tammy, save your body. Mm. Focus on acting. Focus on acting. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to wow. do. Wow. And, um, and kind of from there, I went on. I did a couple more movies as his assistant so I could learn the etiquette um, and all the ins and outs. And then after, um, gosh, which one was it? I think after the invasion, um, he said, all right, if you still want to do this, go. And then I was off and running since 2007, and I've been working as a professional stunt woman ever since. I, d I doubt many people can say, uh, well, my career started because I got shot <laughs> yeah. and loved by it. By Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I got shot by Angelina Jolie and loved it. Um, and loved it, yes. That. Wow. That's that's a, a, an amazing story. I love it. I want to keep moving forward, but first I want to backtrack because you said you came out to L.A. and Mr. and Mrs. Smith was 2005. So what year did you come out to L.A.? I came out to Los Angeles the end of 2001. So um, from 2002 until 2005, I had been working my butt off to be an actor, you know, working as a bartender, a multiple jobs, anywhere, whoever would hire me, mm -hmm. um, pretty much mostly in the food industry, um, I, I would do it. And it was hard. I had one time, I think I had like three jobs just to pay. I call it for my acting habit, just to pay for my acting classes. You know, yeah. we, we have definitely referred to it as the, the acting habit on the, on the <laughs> podcast before. So you're in good company. Um, and did you, you, you said, you said that you always knew, you always knew that you wanted to be in entertainment in some way, whether it was cheerleading, modeling or, or acting. Did you, was it something you went to school for or did you come straight out to LA after high school or what was that part of your journey like? I had um, been a very dramatic child growing up. Like I watched a lot of television and I always say I'm like an amazing copycat because I'd watch, mm -hmm. you know, 
television shows or movies over and over again, and then I just start imitating and, and pretending. Um, but as far as any professional training, I had taken classes, you know, in San Francisco, done a lot of workshops, um, taking classes through my college, but I don't have a professional background. You know, reading books, anything I could read, you know, anything that I could do to learn more about acting, and mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a contested issue, and that's why I bring it up too, because we have heard both sides of of that coin uh, along our various you know interviews over the last few years of people saying like, you know, oh, go to school, get your training, or no, don't waste your youth, come out to L.A. or come out to New York or get into a major market as soon as possible because X, Y, and Z. So, I always find it fascinating, and we always tend to ask about what that particular aspect of your journey was like. Um, because I think it, it just, you know, informs people's decisions, informs people listening to this about, you know, what their possibilities are, I guess. Exactly. And it, and what works for one person doesn't work for the exactly. other, you know? Yeah, um, of course. Someone taught me early on, they said, you know, part of acting, you need those life experiences. Mm-hmm. So when I was 20 years old, I, um, I had a friend who lived in England, and I was modeling a lot then. And so I packed up my portfolio, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to model, and I'm going to gather some life experience. So when I come back, I got it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I feel that helped me. You know, there's things I experience that my friends can't even fathom, or they're like, "What you did? What?" I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I stayed in youth hostels. I backpacked around Europe." But there are little things that I can relate to when you know, doing certain uh, character work. So mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, what works for me does not necessarily work for the other person. Right. Of course. Of course. So uh, you're 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 off to the races in in being a stunt woman. You feel like it is your calling that you found your calling. Do you uh, do you miss acting in in its quote unquote more pure form, or do you feel like you act so much in your stunt work that it fulfills oh, yeah. all of it at once? Yes, I um, I absolutely love acting. I miss doing the character work because I just really love that. Um, however, I do more acting as a stunt woman than I ever did huh. as a, a struggling actress. Um, you know, just um, what where are we at? What day is it? Friday. Just last Friday, I worked on Revenge, playing a, a cop, a badass stunt cop, hmm. and it's cool because I just get into that character, and I just I love it because everything in stunts you are acting. We don't necessarily have words, you know, but you don't need words to act. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so true. Love that. Um, I, I saw, I have to admit, uh, to you and, and, and to our listeners, I did watch the, um, I think it was the Today Show that did a, a piece on you and, and the gym that you work on and work at and, and, and stun people in general. Uh, it was really cool and uh, it's about four and a half minutes long. We'll post it on our website, but it, ma- it made me think about, I was already going to ask you questions like this, but it made me think a lot about your preparation mm. and the kinds of things that you need to do in order to prepare for this. Obviously, it's a very physical profession, so there's going to be a lot of, you know, training, preparation, and whatnot. Not just so that you're in good physical shape, but I imagine also so you don't get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask, you know, once once you had that moment on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <clears throat> what was your next step? Did you, you know, do 
did you say to yourself, okay, I need to go to stunt school? <laughs> and is there a stunt school? Yeah, and, that's a good way to it. And how does that, to. you know, how did that transition happen to going from someone who happened to be shot to now, now I'm a, you know, professional. I want to do this professionally. Yeah, stunt person, oh. and I, I know how to get hit by a car, and, <laughs> you know, exactly. how, what, what happened in between there? What, what training happened, and... Oh my gosh, everything. Once I, I realized, like I heard the click and I'm like, okay, this is my new, this is my path. This is where I'm going. I knew I had to learn everything. And I was like a sponge. Like I, I just couldn't absorb enough knowledge. And I started asking everyone, like my boss, you know, who I think had been in the business at least 20 years at that point, you know, I'm like, tell me everything, teach me, you know, stuff. And he was trying to get me to not be a stunt woman. So he was being a hmm. little, not like, not mean, but like, oh, you think you can hang in this harness for 20 minutes and not complain? <laughs> and it, anybody who's ever hung in a harness, it is so miserable. <laughs> so, but you just smile. So I, I did, I hung there. I would not complain. I'm like, no, I love it. Hmm. And um, so then you meet people and you start, you know, other stunt people and you're like, hey, let's work on fights together. And a lot of people come from a background where they've worked martial arts their whole life mm -hmm. or they're gymnasts. So now for myself, I had a little bit of a difficulty because although I hadn't done any physical activities my whole life, I had been very well rounded. Um, like my grandmother was a horse trainer, so I grew up riding horses. Um, my brother and I used to skateboard and BMX and ride dirt bikes. So I had a little bit of, um, uh, I knew I was pretty well rounded, but I wasn't an expert in anything. Mm. So I just had to really fine tune it. And I'm um, also very, I pick things up really quickly and I, um, I just love doing it. I just have, I feel like I have such a great attitude. I'm like, let's do it again. I don't care if I'm bruised and limping. Let's one more time. One more time. <laughs> It's just a flesh wound. Yeah. Um, okay, exactly. So, Put a bandaid on it. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, so let's say you're, let's say I'm listening to this because I, I think we may have these listeners. Let's say I'm listening to this and I, I want to get into this world. I want to start training and, and start meeting the right people and, and getting myself uh, prepared for being in this world. You said you went out and just you know, absorbed as much as you could, taking from, you know, everything, every piece of material you possibly could, etc. So what were your sort of tent poles? Like if you, if you could say to someone like, oh, this book, that actor, that movie, that, um, you know, gym, school. that school, yeah. that, do you know what I mean? Like what were your like main tent poles that really, that you felt pro propelled you along and that you would sort of recommend to someone walking along in your footsteps behind you? Well, I was really lucky that um, there is this amazing uh, stuntman named Bob Yerkes. Yerkes, rhymes with circus, Bob Yerkes. And he opens up his backyard. I think it's like Wednesdays and Saturdays. You have to be invited. But he invite once you're invited, he opens up his backyard to you to stunt people to train. And in his backyard, he has um, a high fall tower, you what? know, where you can start learning your high falls. He used to have a trapeze set in his backyard, but he took the trapeze down to make room for, you know, fighting and other stuff. So his backyard, it was trampoline, you know, anything you can think of that's in the circus wow. is basically in his backyard. And he... Um, you learn everything. Like it's, it's, it's like you're a kid in a candy store mm. and um, there's great people there that are helping you 
to learn the, um, you know, high falls, to learn how to take punches, to learn how to fight. So it's, it's amazing. So I was very blessed that I was able, I was invited there. Mm. And also I had some great friends um, that were already sent seasoned stuntmen that were like, okay, let's teach you this. So I got a lot of private training um, from some amazing stunt people. Um, So I was really blessed in that aspect. But um, like you said, there's amazing gyms. Like the one that I did um, for the Today Show, that was um, XMA, and that's in the Valley. And XMA is an amazing training center. Um, They're martial arts. I mean, Mike Chat, who owns it, he is fabulous. And all their instructors are great. I highly recommend it. And then I love this other place. It wasn't around when I first um, uh, started in stunts, but um, I think it opened up a couple years ago. And it's called Jam Gym, and it's over in Reseda. And that place is amazing. Um, You know, it has foam pits and springboard floors um, and, like, parkour. Parkour is huge. Um, You can't get better than Tempest Gym. Tempest is amazing. Talk about a kid in a candy store. I talk about all these places, and all of them are fabulous. You know, so those are my three top places would be Tempest, Jam, and XMA. Like, I highly recommend them. If you can get invited to Bob Yerke's Backyard, Yerkes. He's going to get so mad. I keep saying his name wrong. Yerkes. Bob Yerkes Backyard. Um, I would definitely go there, too. Um, Bob Yerkes. How old is he? I think he's like 80 years old. The guy still jumps on a trampoline and does flips. And, you know, he goes off the the Russian swing and flips into an airbag. You know, he's in, you know, it just shows you just never stop being physical because once you do like you know your body goes mm-hmm. constantly work out and train whether you're some person or not everybody should be working out that but sounds awesome on the back of that what does your your workout and training schedule look like are you working so much that you don't really need to spend too much time in the gym or you know do you do, is it is it a practice for you to to stick to a to a workout schedule um, well, I try to, but because my schedule is so crazy, you know, um, I, you know, I could get a call right now saying, Hey, are you available tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Um, so I try, one thing I do a lot, I go to the beach in Santa Monica cause I'm addicted to the traveling rings. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love them. So I try to swing on those at least, you know, two to three times a week and I roller skate and skateboard. So I like to do that, um, you know, two to three times a week down in Santa Monica and Venice because it makes me happy, and the, the beach and the ocean, oh, just gorgeous. Um, but I always want to keep up on my fights. So when I have friends, I don't know what their schedule is going to be like either. So usually I know if I could go to Jam or XMA or Tempest, there's going to be somebody there that I can train with. Mm-hmm. So if I go to Tempest, I'm like, okay, let's do some parkour. Let's do some free running. Let's, let's play. And then if I'm at you know, Jam or XMA, um, I'm going to work on fights. And there's always somebody there who's going to want to work on fights. And I try to work with a bunch of different people because it's so important to um, not get used to one person's fighting style. Because when I'm on set, granted, yes, I'll be fighting with, the, let's say, the stunt double. And then the actor will come in, and I have to be able to adjust to their fighting mm-hmm. style, too. So um, I, try not to get, I try not to ever fight with just one person. I always try to mix it up. Nice. <laughs> it sounds so funny when you put it like that. I try not to fight with one person. I try to fight with lots many, of lots of people. Uh, yeah, put, whoever we, will fight with me that day, come on, bring it on, let's do it. Yeah. Oh man, it's just so funny when you when you when you put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so as as an actor, I know that 
when it comes to the word training, a lot of that has to do with, yes, keeping in shape, you know, hitting the gym and making sure that I'm in top physical form so that, you know, if I get called in for a particular role, I, I, I look a certain way uh, forecasting for the producers, for the director to, to fit that particular, that particular role. Um, but I also know that training t- means being in class, working on scene work, working on character work like you, like you were talking about earlier. And it sounds like, you, because you said, I'm only saying this because you said that you miss it, it sounds like the majority of your training is focused on the physical aspects. Do you, do you think that it's important for a stunt person to also either have had or continue to have um, acting training? Yes. Um, when I first got into stunts, uh, my friends, you know, my stunt guy friends were like, okay, Tammy, now you're, you're a stunt woman now. You're not an actress anymore. You're a stunt woman. So, you know, focus on that. Don't try and push your, your acting. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I didn't really tell people that I was able to act. And now the business is changing that there, it's like now you tell everybody, no, I can act, please, because they will put you into those spots. I don't know if mm-hmm. actors hate that. They're like actors. I'm like, no, stick to stunts, people. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking our jobs like, away. <laughs> We're like a twofer. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know, but I, I, like I said, I book more acting um, roles as a stunt person than I ever did um, just acting. Mm. So it, it has, it does help. And, and I do think um, in this industry and in any profession, I think you should know more than just your targeted job. You know, I hear of football players that they're having to take dance class, so they're better on their feet, you mm, know. So yeah. um, I think it's important uh, to be able to do everything. And, and I have actor friends that are like, oh, we want to take some hand-to-hand combat classes. And just so if they book those roles, you know, that they can, you know, do a little bit. But, you know, usually the stunt person, you know, does the hard, hard hits because you can't have an actor get hurt or bruised. bruised you know, the yeah. stunt person um, can get bruised, you know, because we're replaceable. I know that sounds horrible, but <laughs> we are. Well, and hopefully you're, well, not hopefully, but in certain cases, your face isn't shown. Mm-hmm. So, what I mean by hopefully is hopefully the bruise won't be visible unless, exactly. unless, unless of course you are actually cast in that role. And I imagine that's like the big, that's like the big difference, right? Like, uh, maybe you could speak more to the, um, the ins and outs of that. Like there, there must be times when you are specifically hired as a stunt person and you're either doubling for someone else or you're just hired as the actor. You're hired as the, the, the person who is going to be delivering the lines in the scene and then just so happens to get into some crazy knife fight. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny about that is I'm so used to being a stunt double. Um, you know, I worked four seasons on NCIS LA doubling Daniela Rua and six seasons on Sons of Anarchy doubling Katie Seagal that I'm so used to having to hide my face. And thank goodness I have long hair and so do those um, actresses. So when I actually get booked as, um, you know, stunt mom or, you know, whatever the, the role is that the person's going to get hit, um, it's just habit that I naturally just want to hide my face. And so a couple times, you know, like the director's like, no, 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 you don't have to hide your face. We want to see this. We want to see this. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so used to hiding it. So that way when you do the close-up on the actor that you can see their beautiful face and not mine. So, um, yeah, so sometimes it does throw me off because just out of habit, I'm so used to hiding my face. Um, and that goes way back to even when I first moved to L.A. and I was doing, 
doing stand and not standing work, background work. And I would, uh, you'd have to do these cross, you know, the atmosphere in the behind the scene. And I wanted to work more. So anytime I would cross past camera, I'd always turn my head so that no one could see my face because I wanted them to keep calling me back to do more background work. And I didn't want to get, I call it burned, you know, so that you couldn't see my face and they couldn't reuse me. So I'm like the master of hiding my face to the camera. <laughs> wow. So, so, so then I, I guess my next question becomes, you know, um, when, and actually this is Jasmine's, you know, taking notes here, uh, as we're, as we're going along. So I know she has this question too, but we were curious about, uh, casting, essentially how, what that process looks like, you know, obviously you are not only a, a specific type, meaning what you look like, but you're also a specific type based on your skill set. So I guess the question is, do you still audition? Do you yeah. audition? Do you deliver lines? Do you go into a room with a casting director? Are you represented by an agent? Is there an agency for stunt people? Yeah, there. I think that at, at the end of your reel, I saw something like action something, a, a, a agency. Uh, so, yeah. you know, when you're submitted, is it is it a thing that you audition for or are you just like oh yeah she fits the type let's bring her in and then and and then that's it because they know that you are a stunt person who also happens to act mm. sorry i know it's that i know there's a lot to throw at you all at once but it, i'm yeah. just so curious well, it's, it's pretty much all of the above so um yes we still have to audition if there's ever lines definitely have to audition they'll call however many of us in to the room you know um hopefully we get the the sides the night before but if not you know I, I do so much cold reading so um we go in and we audition and they pick who they want you know depending on the look or depending on your acting ability um it's crazy because i've gone in even when i used to model i would go into auditions and i would be the only brunette in there and i'm like why what's am i in the right place like everyone's blonde you know or you know, everyone's african-american why what what's going on so you never know what they're looking for so um yeah so i go in and audition with whoever they pick and hopefully i book it um as far as who calls me in now i used to be with an agent um and um they dropped me last year because i was working a lot out of california and so they were like you're not available to do auditions so that was a bummer. So um, right now I'm currently looking for new representation. Um, but um, I've also booked roles where the stunt coordinator says, you know, we need a person who looks just like this and based off of, you know, like um, playing cops. I play really um, mean, badass cops. Like I, I, like, I get all tough and everything. So uh, people know, like, oh, she could be badass. Let's pick Tammy. So I, um, sometimes they'll just pick me knowing that what they've already seen in the past, that I can do that part. So, you know, if there's any badass cops with Latina flair, I got those roles. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so sometimes I book those just because they, I don't have to audition because they already know. All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of Jazz and AJ's chat with stunt person, uh, actress extraordinaire, Tammy Baird. I'm so excited that we finally got someone with this experience and perspective and sort of prof uh, um, about, like behind the scenes professional knowledge of this specific niche in the industry on the show. Yeah, it was a too. long, strange sentence, but I'm really excited that, uh, that we got <laughs> that you guys got to sit down with her and I can't wait to hear part two. 
what is your pick of the week? Sure, my pick of the week. Uh, we talked about this in person the other day, uh, sort of, sort of. Um, but it's a movie called Fed Up, and it's it's been something that a lot of people have been talking about. It's it recently came out on Netflix. Katie Couric produced it, and it's a it's basically about the food industry and how evil it is. How they <laughs> they are just taking advantage of. Basically, salt, sugar, and fat. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if people. I'm sure people listening to this podcast are the kind of people that are interested in in this kind of thing as well. The food documentaries and the the world of of nutrition and and sort of how it all plays into our cultural uh, uh, mindset and zeitgeist. And I'm not being very eloquent right now, but. It's a really interesting movie, and uh, there are food scientists out there whose job it is to get people like you and me uh, addicted to food. But as this documentary highlights, specifically getting our children addicted to food, and they go through the schools, and they use this very um, sort of c- convincing advertising to just to just put a healthy spin on food that is not healthy at all. And it's it just the the edu- that we're being miseducated on every level, but it starts with our children, and that's fueling the obesity epidemic. And some of the statistics that they reveal in this film are pretty startling. It's a fascinating, infuriating documentary, uh, and I think every human being in America and probably abroad as well should should watch it. So fedupmovie.com is where you can learn more about it. And I watched it on Netflix Instant. If you have a Netflix account, um, you can stream it right now on Netflix. So fed up. Absolutely. So your pick of the week is something that I'm in love with that David H. Lawrence <laughs> the Seventeenth shared. So yeah, t- yeah, we had talk about so this. many. We had so many resources shared at the Digital Actor Workshop. It's one of my favorite things. Just people just throwing out you know little tips and tricks and 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 here's what I use and here's what I use and we ended up with a a list of software and services and this is just one of them. Um, but everybody loved it so much. I was like, well, you know, I'll share it with our listeners. So um, uh, it's called Text Expander, and it is a service for both your desktop and mobile operating systems. Uh, you can find out more about it at smilesoftware.com slash text expander. Basically what it does is it allows you to program long pieces of, of text with just a, a few sort of cue uh, letters. I'm not really explaining this very well, but if you imagine your uh, autocorrect on your uh, iPhone or, or Android, when you go to type something in and it autocorrects for you, and then there's even shortcuts inside of iOS that allow you to, um, like if you type OMW, it will automatically expand to say on my way with an exclamation point. It's similar to that, but you can actually type in tons of sentences like entire paragraphs entire pages worth of of text and then just put in you know whatever cue you want to put in for that and it will it will auto populate that text so um it increases productivity um when you're typing the same thing over and over and over again yeah and so very cool, and they and you were saying they do a, a thirty free thirty day trial or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the software itself is thirty five bucks for your desktop machine or your laptop. Uh, I think for if you buy it for your iPhone or iPad, it's five bucks. I think, and there is a thirty day fully functional free trial that you can get uh, and download. And I downloaded it the other day, and I've been playing with it, and it's uh, I can already tell it's going to shave hours off of my work week over the course of a few months. Sweet. Yeah. It, it really is the little things, you know. You spend five seconds, extra five seconds on something here, 
an extra 30 seconds on something there. It doesn't seem like much at the time, but compound that over a few weeks or months and there's hours, hours and hours and hours of doing repetitive stuff that you could be using towards, you know, writing your screenplay, submitting to an extra job or two, memorizing your lines, you know, working on your website. I mean, a million things you could do. You would just chill it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I believe very much in, in finding those little things that you can automate or, or streamline. And Text Expander, like you said, is a great example of that. Awesome. So that just to recap, that is Fed Up, and uh, which is Trevor's pick of the week, and Text Expander from uh, yours truly. No listener pick uh, this week. Yeah, yeah. But we do have a lot of new people that joined our Inside Acting membership that we are so thrilled to have part of the family uh, and see inside the membership and hear what they're up to. And this is just a, a, another kind of small batch of the people that have been joining. But we want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Tamara Hilberry, Janelle Engel, Manuel Alvarado, Katra Parkman, Julie Dinoweth, and Brittany Isham. I hope I pronounced those names somewhat accurately, but uh, I've interacted, I think, with all of those people, actually. Uh, many of them were also at your Digital Actor Workshop, so we had a chance to meet them. Um, but we're thrilled to have them in the membership and part of the family and can't wait to create epic things together. And our member win of the week comes from longtime listener, patron, member, Stefan Goldbach, who uh, in like one week got three callbacks and uh, the very first short that he produced got into a film festival in New York. It's like just crushing it. Yeah. You know what I love about this too is that he says uh, two things. Number one, he's vulnerable with it. He started off his, his post by saying, my name is Stefan, and I have a hard time sharing wins. And I just, I just love that. I think that instantly, like, pretty much all of us can relate to that. Uh, and then he also went on to detail kind of what it took from him to create those results. And he says, you know, these are, these are wins for me in terms of tenacity, in terms of taking charge, in terms of putting in work in the craft, in terms of allowing uh, himself the freedom to play. And I love this. He said, above all, in terms of investing in relationships, building relationships with casting, with reps, with filmmakers and other actors. Um, so that's pretty cool. That's really, really cool. I just love that we can be part of somebody's journey that way and that we can learn from each other's wins that way as well. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations awesome. to him and uh, especially for, for being uh, vulnerable enough to share it. Yes. Amen. Alrighty. Well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, AJ Meyer. And, of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Godali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algat composed our theme music. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thank you to our sponsors, Rehearsal2 and Viotagogo.com, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you love inside acting, and who doesn't, and want to keep the, <laughs> keep the show going, sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks, like access to our exclusive online membership mastermind group. Exclusive membership master did i do that right <laughs> close enough um freebies and discounts on merchandise like uh, our iap t-shirts and other op upcoming podcast offerings and many many more things just visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab 
And that does it for episode 191 of Inside Acting. Just nine more until the big 200. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, don't eat the germs. (laughs) 